Hey, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett, WWE Hall of Famer, and you're listening to the My One Two Three Cents Podcast. It's my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me a hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! everyone welcome to episode 461 of the my one two three cents podcast as you can see if you're watching on youtube.com slash my one two three cents kevin is out this week he's out doing beer reviews or doing something jabroni like so instead lucha dad is here to fill in and since lucha dad is filling in i've decided to talk about uh, i'm doing this six cents idea of my six favorite Wrestlers who wore a mask, but we kind of knew who was behind the mask. Wink and a nod here, if you will. But uh, there were some some things that kind of brought this conversation about. Now, you might remember last week, Kevin and Tyler Heath Hatton talked about Stride Pro Wrestling in their top 10. And they mentioned guys like Tony Flood and Red Daniels and then their alter egos in Stride Pro Wrestling. You know, El Fabuloso was Tony Flood and and and... You know, Tyler let the cat out of the bag about Wraith and Red Daniels and that association. So those cats are out of the collective bags. And it got me to thinking after listening and watching that podcast last week, which if you haven't already subscribed on your favorite podcasting app and, and leave a review for Christ's sakes, what the hell? Leave a review. It's simple to do. And it goes a long way in helping with the algorithm or whatever that BS is that, that he talks about on this podcast. But I thought I'm going to throw in my six cents, if you will, my one, two, three cents and review some fun, classic, maybe a couple of more modern versions of wrestlers who donned a mask and, and got in the ring and, and wrestled. But we really knew or we've later found out pretty quickly who was behind those masks. Now, I had two caveats, two that I wasn't sure if they belonged on this list or not. So we want to hear from you. You let us know what you think over on the My One Two Three Cents Facebook page or on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, of course, and, and right here on jitterymonkey.com where the podcast is housed. But uh, one of them is the Shockmaster. Now, the Shockmaster made this big debut 30 years ago. Of course, we knew pretty quickly that the Shockmaster was, in fact, Tugboat or Typhoon from his days in the WWF. Uh, he came out wearing a Stormtrooper mask that was spray-painted with glitter. And I don't know if there was ever any discussion of what the plan was long-term for Shockmaster. Because, of course, he trips and falls. The helmet falls off. And we immediately see who it is or kind of have an idea of who it is. The smart wrestling fans at least knew pretty quickly who was under that that uh, helmet of sorts. And so did it end up 
was a, he wrestles eventually with no mask on and and we know that it's the shockmaster but we also recognize who he was but was the shockmaster always going to wrestle without a mask on and the big reveal was going to eventually come or was there a plan he couldn't wrestle in that dark or that uh stormtrooper helmet but we would imagine maybe he would have had a hood on of some sort but he's a kind of an honorable mention we'll put him on there and the other one is Mr. McMahon Vince McMahon as the higher power back during the Attitude Era, the height of the Austin uh, feud with the corporation and the ministry and all of that, uh, there was this cloaked figure that eventually it was revealed to be Vince McMahon. And that iconic moment where he flips the hood off and says, it was me, Austin. It was me all along. And Jim Ross's reaction on commentary. To me, that's a classic moment, but I don't know if it falls into this category. I thought I'd mention those two, though. Mr. McMahon as the higher power and the Shockmaster. Now let's get on to the rest of the list. I added to this list, uh, and I, I think I have six here. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yes, I had to double check my my arithmetic, if you will. And notice I didn't have to count on my hands to, to get to that six. But my number six is Mr. America. Back in, in 2002 and when Hulk Hogan and the NWO returned to the WWE, that magic probably didn't last as long as we thought it might. You know, the NWO act had kind of run its course in WCW. It was part of that dying breed, that dying brand, but it was a big popular part of the Monday Night War and of the Attitude Era, and it really kind of launched things between, launched WCW, of course, into the stratosphere. Hulk Hogan eventually goes back to the red and yellow, and then the buyout happens with WCW and the WWE, WWF at the time. And we don't see Hogan or Hall or Nash for a while. They come in. Hogan does his thing and, and has that match, that classic match with The Rock at WrestleMania, where Hogan eventually turns babyface, goes back to the red and yellow, but then feuds with Mr. McMahon. <clears throat> Makes sense. There was magic in the or lightning caught in that bottle once with Austin versus McMahon. So why not do it with Hulk Hogan as well, who was arguably the second biggest superstar that Vince McMahon helped with the creation of. And I know it was a two-way street, but I'm getting this to say that Hogan was eventually suspended and Mr. America suddenly appears. Now this is nothing new. And, and I'll talk more about kind of the, the framework for this character when I get to some of these others that were more classic and to me more memorable the older the gimmick the more nostalgia I have for it and the more I pop for it so I'm going with that as being my number six Mr. America we knew it was Hulk Hogan I think he even unmasked a couple of times and showed off the Fu Manchu under the mask the mannerisms the body it, it, it all we all knew that it was Hulk Hogan I think everybody was smart to it and I think WWE knew that we were smart to it. And in many of these cases, it's a wink and a nod again that the company knows and, and they're having some fun with it. And sometimes wrestling fans take this stuff way too serious and say it's dumb or lame or we know, and that's the point of it all. So uh, we're going to give Mr. America number six. Number five, La Luchadora. Now, who remembers this? This was just a few years ago, actually. And sometimes the more modern stuff, I think, gets forgotten, at least by me as an old timer here. Uh, I, I pop for the nostalgia, like I said, give me the 80s and, and early 90s stuff. And uh, I, I love that stuff. But for me, uh, La Luchadora, it was uh, a second for Alexa Bliss. 
Now, here's where I'm having trouble remembering, and I don't like to go, and I know Kevin doesn't like this either. I don't go and read from Wikipedia and recap something. I, I go based on my memory and do a little bit of research to help supplement things. And I'm, I'm trying to remember now if La Luchadora was the official return of Mickey James to the WWE after leaving for a while. And I think this was probably 2017, 2018, maybe when, when all this was going down, but uh, La Luchadora made her presence known and was helping Alexa Bliss and was interfering against Becky Lynch and eventually unmasked and, and we found out that it was Mickey James. And I don't think at the time I knew that it was Mickey James. And I don't know that others knew and, and were publicizing it, but I like the way it all kind of played out. And I think eventually also uh, Becky Lynch herself donned the mask and, and wrestled as La Luchadora, which is reminiscent now. And I'm going back and I, I unlocked another memory here and she's not on the list. But when Moolah, the fabulous Moolah, back in 1985 played the spider lady and beat Wendy Richter for the WWF women's championship. And what was originally known as the first WWF screw job long before what went down in Montreal. But uh, I, I forgot about Moolah as spider lady. So we'll, we'll throw her on as an honorable mention for sure as well. Up next on my list is the yellow dog. Now this ended up being flying Brian Pillman and this all went down back in the early 90s. And I don't remember the complete circumstances, but I know Brian Pillman lost a loser leaves town match. And then all of a sudden we see this guy all head to toe dressed in yellow. Uh, this is reminiscent of another, what I would consider a front runner for this whole idea, this whole gimmick. And that was Stagger Lee, who was the junkyard dog. And I never saw this growing up, so I'm just going off of what I've seen since then. And I, and I didn't have Stagger Lee or Junkyard Dog on my list, but certainly something that kind of laid the foundation for all of this. And, and Stagger Lee had lost a Loser Leaves Town match, and he came out, or Junkyard Dog, I'm sorry, and came back in as Stagger Lee and, and, and caused some damage. The Boogie Woogie, I, I'm unlocking memories as I'm doing this. The Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant. I think did a very similar thing. Uh, I, I I don't remember his uh, his mask name, but it was it was obvious that it was the Boogie Woogie Man. And the same thing with Flying Brian Pillman. You know, he loses this loser leaves town match and comes back uh, wearing the hood. Uh, and and eventually, I, I do think I I have a, an old wrestling magazine where he's lifting the mask up. And again, this was all a wink and a nod. And I think that some of the dirt sheet writers and some of the more hardcore fans kind of crapped on these ideas but to me it was fun it was something that was adding another element to the wrestling universe and, and making things again fun wrestling doesn't have to be uh serious all the time we need to have some fun some entertainment that's where you get craziness like this guy here the gobbledygooker uh again i love this figure if you haven't watched it go watch on tiktok um and on the my one two three cents youtube channel i'll have a short up uh, of the unboxing of that figure. But anyway, I digress and trying to promote other things here. But <clears throat> the yellow dog, a fun, uh, silly gimmick as part of uh, that wrestling fandom. Another one, number three, I'm giving it to the Cosmic Cowboys. Now, you may not remember the Cosmic Cowboys at all because I believe they just had a one-time appearance. This was Kevin and Kerry Von Erich, who were two of my favorites growing up. Kerry Von Erich was my favorite. Uh, this was in the world-class championship wrestling territory, and uh, we would see the dynamic duo of Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams feud with Kevin and Kerry Von Erich 
for quite some time. It felt like it, the feud went on for years. I know it probably in reality did not, but they were uh, big rivals and world-class. And the dynamic duo had lost a hair match against the Von Erics and were shaved bald. And as, as they were coming back and, and growing their hair back and, and they had won the tag team championships in world-class and decided that they weren't wrestling the Von Erics anymore. So the Von Erics, and I think this was at Star Wars back in Christmas 1980-something, 85, I believe, uh, the Cosmic Cowboys show up wearing masks. And uh, it's Cosmic Cowboy number one, Cosmic Cowboy number two. I believe they won the match by disqualification because the dynamic duo had decided they were not wrestling Devon Erics anymore, so that they come out. Uh, and then this led to the split of the dynamic duo, and we saw... Uh, what we thought was going to be a feud between Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams. Gino used that uh, hair remover to blind Chris Adams. But sadly, Gino Hernandez died shortly after this, and, and as Chris Adams was rehabilitating from his injury, uh, and we never got to see that feud. And, and Gino Hernandez is probably one of, uh, and, and maybe this will be a show that Kevin does down the road, but one of the biggest what-ifs in professional wrestling. So, a uh, lot of potential there gone way too soon, um, along with Chris Adams and Kerry Bonner, for that matter. But uh, the Cosmic Cowboys, always a fun, uh, brief moment in wrestling history. But again, my fandom of world class, I had to include them on the list. Number two goes to the Machines. Back in 1986, Andre the Giant was feuding with Bobby Heenan's family. And, and at that time, it was just King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd. And they had crushed Andre's sternum uh, with the big Bundy splashes. And, you know, Andre and, and, and Stud had feuded for a long time, since uh, 1984. Uh, and Bobby Heenan and Kim Patera and Andre, the, or uh, uh, Big John Stud cut Andre's hair and humiliated him back in, in late 1984. Then, of course, in 1985, it's the first WrestleMania. And Andre wins that body slam challenge and the $15,000 that he throws out to the crowd. Um, and by 86, this feud is still going on. And, and you got to remember, back then, wrestling wasn't on uh, as much as it is now. You had the syndicated shows, and that was about it. Saturday night's main event specials, but we didn't see a whole lot of the same stuff, the same contenders. We got the squash matches, the enhancement matches. And so when we had these special events like WrestleMania, like the big events, uh, it, it was unique to see uh, these these things going down and, and happening. But Big John Stud joins forces with King Kong Bundy, and, and now Andre's got two new uh, or a new foil in Bundy. Uh, the attack happens. Andre comes back but doesn't show up for a match, and, and Bobby Heenan petitions for him to be suspended by WWF president at the time, Jack Tunney. And so I remember Tunney suspending Andre and thinking, what in the world? But the reality was, and this was a, a, a way to write Andre off of TV, where he had to go and was working on the Princess Bride film. Now, eventually, because, you know, once Andre's suspended, how are you going to bring him back? Well, they kept him off TV for quite some time. But then a team from the Orient, and I don't think that would probably work in, in today's culture, but this team comes in. Uh, wearing masks, and it's the giant machine and super machine. And 
obviously, again, that wink and a nod, you know, it's Andre, but I didn't know. I had no idea who Super Machine and eventually Big Machine comes in and they're a six man team. And uh, Super Machine ended up being who we would come to know as Demolition Axe, who was the masked superstar before that, uh, Bill Eady. And uh, the Super Machine was Blackjack Mulligan. And I remember finding out later that those were the two men who were portraying those characters. Now, the machines, it was ridiculous. You know, Bobby was petitioning and, and arguing this and knowing that it was Andre and was sure of it, but there was never any proof. They couldn't prove it. They weren't going to make them unmask or they would do stipulations and, and whatnot. Captain Lou Albano got involved because he was managing Andre the Giant at the time. Uh, very briefly back in, in 1986. And, and this didn't last very long. It was over uh, relatively soon. Uh, and then eventually Andre, in by January of 87, has joined forces with Bobby Heenan to set up for the big match with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania three. But speaking of Hulk Hogan, there were some shows. I don't think any of these were ever televised. If they were, I apologize. But I remember reading in the magazines that there were house shows and events, maybe at MSG, where hulk machine or piper machine or animal sh animal machine and and at one point even crusher machine who was the legendary wrestler crusher did a show and and wrestled as a machine as well but bobby heenan a lot of times was involved in these six-man tags uh captain lou sometimes got involved but animal machine of course george the animal steel hulk machine was obviously hulk hogan and piper machine the newly turned babyface, rowdy, rowdy Piper. So again, a fun time in, in my fandom of watching these uh, machines get in there and do their thing. But again, that wink and a nod, Vince McMahon denying it all along on commentary and uh, Jesse Ventura arguing that it was always, in my opinion, a fun time of, of when the heel announcer and the babyface announcer are, are at odds when it's pretty obvious what's going on, but again, that wink and a nod keeping us fans entertained. Now, number one, who I think, I'm not sure if Stagger Lee set the precedent, and if he did, I apologize, Junkyard Dog and Stagger Lee, uh, but I went with Dusty Rhodes as the Midnight Rider. We saw the Midnight Rider first in Florida, and again, I don't know which came first, Stagger Lee or Midnight Rider. I apologize for that, uh, for not knowing, but... I feel like, for my fandom at least, it was Dusty in the Crockett days when he came out and had attacked J.J. Dillon, and I think he had hit Bob Geigel, who was the NWA president at the time, with a baseball bat, and he got suspended. J.J. Dillon petitioned for the suspension. I think it was a 120-day suspension of Dusty Rhodes. And then all of a sudden we see these vignettes of somebody sitting around a campfire wearing a mask, and it's the Midnight Rider. Now, at the time, I didn't know Midnight Rider had existed in Florida because Growing up where I grew up in Lucha Land, we didn't have access to the uh, to the uh, Florida Championship Wrestling and, and anything. So I didn't know about him until the Midnight Rider, that is, until I saw it on Jim Crockett promotion. So Midnight Rider comes in, and of course, again, like Heenan argued, uh, this set the tone, I think, for the machines, obviously, because it happened the year before in 1985. Uh, but we saw, I think it was 1985. Maybe it was 19. Maybe this was going on concurrently. I, again, I should have checked the dates. I apologize for not doing that. But we see Midnight Rider 
coming in there and, you know, wrestling the horsemen and, and taking them to task and, and fighting Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson and, and Ric Flair and, and JJ Dillon. And I believe the Midnight Rider and JJ Dillon even had a bull rope match at the Crockett cup that year, which I think this would have been 86 or 87. Now I, I I'm sorry, folks. I I'm, I'm blanking here and I should have looked it up, but anyway, that's my list. We've got the Midnight Rider. We've got uh, the Machines. We've got the Cosmic Cowboys, the Yellow Dog, Mr. America, La Luchadora, my top six, and, and those honorable mentions. But there are plenty of great, legitimate mask wrestlers, luchadors, if you will, from guys like Rey Mysterio and the Lucha Bros and Mr. Wrestling and Mr. Wrestling 2, the Spoiler, the Grappler, we saw all these wrestlers as as growing up, but Rey Mysterio, of course, I think would be number one on anyone's list of wrestlers who wear the masks. I would throw Mankind and Kane and Vader. Their masks were different and unique, but they are still, I believe, fall into that guise of being masked wrestlers and, and superstars. And of course, the mascot here, and I'm showing it on camera, you can hardly see it because of the light here, and I apologize, but you know who Mondo is. You know what Mondo looks like. I'll bring him back. Maybe you can see them a little better. The whole basis of the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network, of course, running around these monkeys and the masked monkey himself, Mondo, the My One Two Three Cents mascot. So, weigh in. Who are your favorite silly masked wrestlers and who are your favorite legitimate, quote unquote, masked wrestlers? We want to know on My One Two Three Cents. You can weigh in on the YouTube channel. You can weigh in on jitterymonkey.com. Let us know what you think of the show. If you want to see me back here again, let me know. Let that jabroni Kevin know as well, because God only knows when he'll have him, ever have me back again. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a bueno week, and we will talk again very soon. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. 